man, I am so excited about this new theme song we got for the podcast from DJ Nova Soul here in San Antonio, Texas. Got one of the homies, Daniel Silic, on uh, doing some of the vocals for that. He's one of the founding Dark Blue guys. He's been around for years since the beginning since the very beginning before we even knew this was going to be a thing <laughs> so pretty pretty excited to have that new track on the uh, podcast intro and uh, got some other new things coming for you guys as well including some video versions of the podcast so you'll be able to access those on youtube which is pretty exciting welcome to the dark blue thank you for joining us if you're new here Welcome to the fun. If you've been here before, we're glad to have you back. And you guys, man, you are in for a treat today. I got to spend some time with Connor Beaton. And if you haven't heard of Connor Beaton before, he runs an organization called Man Talks and is very active on social media just basically helping men learn how to be better men, which is something we are all about here at the Dark Blue. So uh, this is going to be a pretty solid episode. We talk a lot about Connor's new book that he just released recently and uh, just kind of get into the meat of it. So if you are excited to learn about yourself and how to grow and be a better human in general, uh, this is going to be a good episode for you. Uh, This book is great for men, but it's also good for anybody. So if you can benefit from learning to understand uh, what it means to uh, confront your shadow and uh, get a little bit deeper into who you are as a person, then uh, this is going to be some great stuff to listen to. Connor is a wealth of information as far as self-growth and men's work. He's worked with some really amazing names in the space, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this. So stick around, hang out with us, and um, yeah, hit us up online. Let us know what you think of the new intro and the episode and all that. We love hearing your thoughts. And with that, let's get into it. Super thrilled to uh, be hanging out with Connor Beaton today, author of Men's Work. If you haven't checked it out yet, get on Amazon, order yourself a copy. It's going to change your life. I can guarantee it. <laughs> um, Connor, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, brother. I appreciate you having me here and and uh, and the endorsement. And yeah, I'm excited to jam with you for a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, those that are listening know I like to uh, enjoy a beverage while I do the episodes. So uh, today I'm having one of my go-to kombuchas from Kirkland, of all places. It's uh, uh, from Costco, so it's an organic lemon ginger kombucha. So just usually a good way to get my day started, but I'm about halfway through now, so. Nice. Get Get in there. I dropped yeah. the ball. I dropped the ball on the, I have a, I have a Mason jar of water, which is my <laughs> hydration of choice when I'm doing interviews all day. <laughs> That's totally understandable. A lot of too much yeah. talking, all that cotton mouth otherwise. Yeah. So, but do you have a favorite beverage that you like to enjoy? I, you know, I really like kombucha as well. Um, I have been completely sober now for Ah, it's going to be three years here soon. Nice, man. Uh, and so I, I really like my wife and I, I got her on the sobriety train as well. 
uh and we're not so strict that like never anything like we just went to this uh omakase in the city and had like a traditional japanese dinner and and had a look a little bit of a little bit of sake to go with the meal but usually i'll have like um uh, athletic brewing i still like a good ipa once in a while Mm -hmm. it's non-alcoholic and so i'll have their their ipa i think it's like uh uh, I can't remember what it's called. They had like that free freeway or freeways or something free, like that. It's like free, easy. Yeah. yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like, solid. yeah, I like that. I like the IPAs that like give you a good punch in the face, you know, <laughs> just all the hops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, man. We uh, actually, I was telling you before we got started, we actually dug into the non-alcoholic beer space quite a bit over the last couple of years uh, to promote healthy relationships with relationships with alcohol um, through the uh, Into the Dark Blue. And um, I've found so many amazing non-alcoholic beers. Um, just, just There's so many options now because the demand is so much higher now than it used to be. So we're not limited to just O'Doul's or St. Pauli or something like that. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they almost like disincentivized, you know, non-alcoholic beer before because it was so shit. Oh, and yeah. Now, you know, now it's like, no, nah, that's uh, that's some pretty good stuff. You know, you can you can just drink some non-alcoholic beer and, and have a good night. So absolutely. Yeah, actually, I mean, I'll often have a non-alcoholic beer with me at like gatherings with friends or something. And they'll they, they won't even know I'm drinking a non-alcoholic beer because it just looks like a normal craft beer, you know, so. Yep. They'll ask me about it and I'll be like, oh yeah, go grab yourself one. And they'll be like, man, this is great. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, it works. It's awesome, man. Yeah, sneak it in there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but hey, I, you know, I'm really excited to talk about your book and your personal journey a little bit. And so I, I know we're, we don't have a lot of time, so I want to go ahead and get into that as much as possible and get into the meat of it. Uh, I was wondering if you could start us off by just telling us a little bit about your journey. Your, your book talks a bit about your rock bottom. Um, and so I'm kind of curious to hear about the, the space between rock bottom and men's work. Uh, so what, what, was that, what was that path like for you going from that to getting into the work you're in now with, uh, with men? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, my rock bottom was the trajectory into the work that I do today. And I had a very different career in the past, which I, you know, I write a little tiny bit about, um, almost, almost not at all. It's more of like a mention. But, you know, I, I was like, I was doing the classic thing that many of us do, which is, I thought I had built a life that, uh, that I needed to build in order to signal that I had become a successful man. You know, I was traveling the world. I had this, you know, gorgeous girlfriend, you know, I had the motorcycle. I had the five liter Mustang. Like I had, you know, not, not everybody dreams about a Mustang. I don't necessarily anymore, but there was certainly a time in my life where I was like five liter Mustang. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. And so, you know, I had done all those things. And so on the outside, it seemed like I was living you know, this very sort of successful life. And behind the scenes, I was really struggling. You know, I was really going through it. There was substance abuse. There was porn addiction. There was a ton of infidelity and cheating and lying. And, you know, my my internal world was sort of a mess. And all of that came to, you know, a crashing halt. You know, my girlfriend at the time found out that I had been having an affair, um, you know, a few of them. And, uh, I was questioning leaving my career before that happened. And so I put a pause on my career Mm. and 
you know, I didn't want anybody to know. I felt pretty embarrassed. I felt a lot of shame about what I had done and the choices that I had made and it had a lot of self-deprecation. And so I moved my shit into storage and, and moved myself into the backseat of my car for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think one of the things that really led me onto this journey, there's, there's sort of two things and I'll say them briefly. One was I had a mentor in my life. I was fortunate enough to have a mentor who took me under his wing and he was well-versed in Jungian psychology and, you know, NLP and cognitive behavioral therapy and gestalt therapy and Buddhism and Taoism and, you know, Zen yeah. and all these wild nice. things that I had never heard about before in my life. <laughs> um, and so he sort of took me underneath his wing and I spent the next two and a half years in a very sort of traditional apprenticeship with him. Cool. learning about these different therapeutic and spiritual modalities. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing was that when I started to talk to men in my life about the shit that had been going on behind the scenes, um, I started to realize that the more transparent I was with them, the more willing they were to be transparent with me. Mm -hmm. And that really shone a light on how surface level most of my male relationships were. Yeah. That I knew a lot about the guys that were my life in the sense that I knew this type of scotch they like to drink and the women they like to date and the, you know, the bars that they like to go to and the cars that they wanted to drive, the music they like to listen to. But I didn't know how their marriage was struggling and I didn't know how their mental health was suffering. And I didn't know that they, you know, were dealing with some trauma or that their business was falling apart. You know, I didn't know these like very consequential things, you know. Yeah. And so it really got me present to how a lot of my male relationships were lacking in depth. Mm -hmm. And I started to see that in a lot of men's lives. You know, the more that I sort of poked around, the more that I was like, oh, this is a very common thing for us as men that we just mm -hmm. lack depth and real substance in our relationships. But we're all craving it, you know, like we yeah, all want no, it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so... Yeah. So those, yeah, those two things were really the the big thing. It wouldn't be until later, you know, years later that I would start man talks and start my, my organization and the work that I do today. Mm -hmm. But those were the sort of two catalysts that, that led to it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, man, that's, that's so true. I, you know, uh, a couple summers ago, I actually did a tour for, uh, for our organization around the country. And, uh, I talked to men all over the country, people I had never met before. And when they found out I was there talking about mental wellness and all of that sort of thing, they would approach me and just word vomit everything going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to see how given the permission and the space to open up about these things that they're dealing with, how willing they were to do it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's I mean, like, you know, I think transparency begets transparency, like I said before, yeah. it's like when we when you're willing to move into, like, out of the, the normal rules of how we operate as men, like in the book, I talk about the one rule of men, which is pretty similar to the the only rule of fight club, right? Which is like, you don't talk about fight club. Yeah. And, you know, I think that rule kind of applies to men. It's like, you don't, you know, the one rule of men is you don't talk about what it, what it's like to be a man who's struggling or suffering yeah. or feels weak or insecure or et cetera. And so I, I think that a lot of men need to break that rule specifically with other men and to be able to have some more open dialogue about the the truth of what's going on in their lives mm -hmm. because we need to be challenged by other men, you know, like 
male relationships have a utility to them that we often don't utilize. Mm. And that utility is being challenged by men that we respect. There's a really deep function to that, that we've stripped out of male relationships in Western culture. So anyway, that's a, that's a little bit of a big piece, but we'll yeah. <laughs> pause there. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure we'll get more into it here in a minute. Um, so yeah, so you said years later, you, you started getting into the work with, uh, with men's work and man talks, all that. Um, did you just do a lot of, did you do a lot of just personal study in between that? Or did you do a school path or what was your personal route? I love the mentorship and apprentice based approach. Mm. You know, I think that, um, I think that the modern education system in, in many ways, isn't, doesn't benefit men in a lot of ways. You know, I think there's some good research that, you know, we start young boys in the education system too early. Uh, and they struggle because of it. And I think that a lot of men are avoiding go going into college institutions today because they're, they're, they're sometimes not the best environment to be in uh, yeah. for a number for a number of reasons. But um, I'm I'm not opposed to you know I have a degree I have a bachelor's degree it's just not in in psychology. Yeah. Um, I found men in that field that I really admire and respect and went and sat with them and learned from them and so. Like I said, I, I spent two and a half years in an apprenticeship with my first mentor. Um, I have since, you know, apprenticed with a, a few men. Uh, like I, I still do to this day, you know, I'm still sort of sharpening that ax, uh, you know, like in two, two or three weeks, I'm heading to Colorado to go and train with a mentor of mine that I've been working with for a couple of years. And he, you know, he's 73 and he's wow. been doing gestalt therapy and uh, equine therapy and um, developmental psychology for 40 years. Wow. That's and cool. he's just one of the most gifted practitioners. You know, he's like this cowboy that lives off in the mountains. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that's just been like, you know, like healing people's lives for fucking 40 years. And so, yeah. um, awesome. so that's, that's the path that I took. I've, you know, I've debated this for a long time, but academia just, I just, you know, maybe at some point I'll go and do a master's, but mm -hmm. I think, um, I've built something pretty substantial without it. And, uh, and, and so I, I, I like that apprenticeship base. I like that old school return to like, go and sit at the feet of the master and learn from him. Oh yeah. And, you know, be the Padawan and, and, you know, and then, and then become the Jedi at some point, right. <laughs> Just to nerd out a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that. <laughs> that's uh, makes a lot of sense, you know, and that's, that that's very great traditional way of learning. And I just think that's, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Um, you know, I think we have those one-on-one -on -one opportunities and can learn so much more from those. Um, just like you're saying, you know, modern, modern education systems are really, you know, in a lot of sense, just to get that piece of paper and say, yeah, look, I did it. Um, and so, yeah, you'll learn things along the way, of course. And, you know, I have a bachelor's in mass in, um, in, business administration and I actually just started my program for a master in counseling just uh, mostly for business purposes because of what I'm doing in a nonprofit or a nonprofit setting I want to have that that title um, but I very much agree with you in that you know a lot of times university doesn't really prepare us for uh, the depths of what we're going to be doing. All right, if you follow along with the dark blue and you have not tried sheath underwear yet, what are you actually doing with your life? 
get on www.sheathsunderwear.com. Save yourself a lot of rubbing, a lot of chafing, and a little bit of money with promo code DARKBLUE, all caps, DARKBLUE. You'll save yourself 25%, and a portion of your purchase also goes to help us build our network of men's groups at independent breweries all around the country. So let's make this happen, guys. Get on sheathunderwear.com. I I had a couple of quotes in the book that I really kind of in the in the initial chapters of the book um, that kind of stood out to me as far as what you're trying to do with the book. And uh, so the first one uh, was that the, the, the book is a map. This book is a map for those wishing to explore masculine darkness and learn how to integrate it into their own being so they're not so controlled by it. So to start off, what monsters did you find in your own shadow? when you started doing this work oh man um you know i think i found a a good amount of anger and insecurities Mm. uh you know anger in in a lot of ways towards the men that i was surrounded by growing up Mm -hmm. um and whether that was their absence or their lack of involvement or you know their abusive behavior you know, the impacts of their anger. Uh, And so I think there was a good amount of of grief for what I experienced growing up that I've really started to realize that I lacked in a lot of ways with the really healthy male role models that I that I really wanted as a boy, uh, because I was wild, you know, I was this wild kid, you know, I'd go stripped down in my underwear as a boy and go out into the backyard and like dig freaking holes and take the hatchet and try and you know chop 100 foot trees down and you know i was just like this wild child lighting shit on fire and and i needed yeah i mean i needed some i needed some direction and what i you know what i got was either avoidance or violence and um and and so you know when i started to do this work it was sort of riddled with these these insecurities and fears and you know kind of a a fear to own my own anger uh a fear to sort of claim my own potency as a man and step into my own sense of power and own that in a way that wasn't egotistical or you know arrogant Mm -hmm. um which i had done before in my 20s i certainly was you know i think if if anyone had met me in my like early 20s I was a pretty arrogant cocky little bastard and (laughs) and um yeah and so when I started to dig what I started to find was these you know these insecurities about who I was and was I good enough and was I smart enough and you know all all those types of pieces uh and you know what did women think of me and all the stuff you know would I ever amount to something and so that you know my relationship with money was buried in there you know oh yeah wow. um so you know those are just some of the i know i'm sort of being broad and and general but those are some of the things that i started to to uncover you know yeah no broad and general is totally fine i mean basically you know it's it's really want to bring a general awareness to these things to anybody listening so they get curious right like what yeah 
what what's in the what's in the depths of this what is what is the shadow right um which is actually uh, my my next question so no i was uh, the other the other one is actually a quote that you put in here uh that i wanted to bring up was uh that where where a man's wound is there is there his genius will be mm -hmm. and i loved that comment so much uh just under in the idea of discovering our shadow and meeting it where it's at, right? Um, so can you talk a little bit more about the shadow? What is it? And how do we discover that? Yeah, I mean, the first line of the book is a man's work begins in pain. Mm. And the reason why I said that is that either, there's a great quote that like your pain has its own intelligence. And so either you begin to understand the pain that you've gone through and the impact that it's had on your life, right? The impact that having abusive parents had or you know a neglectful father or you know being bullied at school or not being able to get dates with women or having them constantly reject you like whatever that pain is you either need to learn to work with that pain or that pain will work on you in your life <laughs> and so the shadow is you know oftentimes when i talk with men about it it's like the shadow is your hurt locker it's where you put all the shit that you don't want to deal with and you don't know how to deal with consciously or unconsciously, right? It's where yeah, you put yeah. your insecurities, your fears, right? Your insecurities around women, you know, not, not being good enough in, in the bedroom or, or whatever it is. Um, Until that shit you, starts stinking from the shadows. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's where you put your, your insecurities of not feeling like you're good enough with, you know, with a woman or, or mm. in your business uh, it's your inner critic, right? That yeah. inner voice that's constantly shit talking you and telling you that you, you know, oh, what's wrong with you? Such a piece of shit. And yeah, you know, you're not going to get this right. And mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's, it's an amalgamation of all the things that we don't want other people to know about us, that we don't want other people to see that we're afraid that if other people saw or knew that they would judge us or, they would abandon us or they would ridicule us or something along those lines. And mm. so, but the important part is that those are all parts of us, right? We you can't yeah. kill them off. You can't get rid of them. And so it's truly like living in a house with roommates or people that you dislike or that you're afraid of, or that you don't know how to deal with. And you got to yeah. figure out how do I build a functional relationship with these people, you know, before they burn the house down. Right. And so that's the, that's the shadow and mm. the reason why it's so important. So like the shadow was um, a concept that Carl Jung created back in the early 20th century. And he was giving a talk at Yale in, in 1937 he was giving like a series of lectures and he was talking about the shadow and he said the new man he was referring to men in the early 20th century this is right in the uh you know right right before right during uh world war ii he said the you know the new man must bear the burden of the shadow consciously for such a man knows that whatever is wrong in the world is wrong in himself and if mm -hmm. only he learns to deal with his own shadow he's done something real for the world he has succeeded in shouldering at least an infinitesimal part of the gigantic unsolved problems, social problems of our day. And so, you know, Jung is basically saying there, like, if you lack purpose, if you want to contribute something meaningful to the world, start to deal with your own shit. 
Yep. You know, start with you, start with your shadow, start with your insecurity, start with the way that you talk to yourself and the way you treat yourself, start with the stuff that you've been avoiding, right? Mm. The, you know, the texting women that, you know, you shouldn't be texting because you're married, right. Or the not getting the reports done, you know, when you know that you're putting your job on the line or, um, you know, not doing your fucking taxes, <laughs> even though, you know, you're risking like some, you know, some business, you know, detriment, like whatever it is. Yeah. As far so, as not getting, even getting the oil done and oil changing in your car, you know, it's one of those little things we put off for so long and then the car breaks down and it's just like, well, it. all right, now it's a bigger problem. So, yeah. 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 So the shadow is that, that part of us that, you know, we dislike and, and we don't know how to deal with necessarily. And mm -hmm. usually what I say to guys is it's the part of you that you feel like you're always fighting with. Mm -hmm. And it's the part of you that you feel like you're going to war with internally. Yeah. And it's the part of you that you know is causing shit, you know, in, in your relationship, in your career. Yep. Uh, because the other thing that Jung said is that the, the shadow will create an unconscious snag thwarting your most well-meant intentions. So mm -hmm. whenever you have a goal, whenever you're trying to achieve a goal, that shadow is the thing that gets in the way and sabotages you, you know, mm -hmm. it causes you to hit snooze 12 times in the morning when you said that you're going to get up and go to the gym, yep. right? That's the shadow. That's why it's so important that we face it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been coming face to face with a lot of those in a way recently, uh, last couple of years, two, three years, just really digging in and trying to figure out what's you know, what's holding me back from certain things, you know? Mm. Um, and so I've been having, I've been faced with those, those insecurities of being picked on when I was a kid. And, you know, these people pleasing habits that I picked up through religion and trying to keep my parents happy and all this stuff, you know, that carried on through into romantic relationships and in work, work relationships, things like that. And so, you know, that's, that's been a, big animal to face but you know what mm -hmm. i've i'm becoming a better person for it and uh it's it's made a huge difference in my life to actually look at those things and be like okay well here is how i'm getting in my own damn way essentially so yeah and i think i think that's the thing that i would really want to emphasize is like there's gold in the shadow right mm -hmm. and so you know jordan peterson's talked about this and i'll sort of say it in my own way which is when we avoid parts of ourselves, it weakens us, right? And when we start to move towards reconciling with the parts of us that feel unruly and too much to handle or that we're afraid of or that we dislike, we actually start to develop more competency and more confidence within ourselves because mm. we're, we're actually confronting the parts of us that we haven't known how to deal with. Yeah. So you know, for example, I'll just give a quick, very sort of real tactical example. If you're a man that grew up in a household where, and I'll give sort of two options. One, your father was sort of violent and loud and had a, you know, bad temper and was aggressive with his anger, mm -hmm. or you grew up with a mom who was, you know, sort of hypercritical and always sort of had this low grade anger that's sort of pecking at you you know, incessantly and critiquing yeah. everything that you, you know, everything that you do, it, there's a very high likelihood that you have relegated your anger into the shadow that you actually, you know, a lot of men, what they'll do in response to that is they'll disconnect from their anger because they'll see it as a danger, right? Especially with the fathers that are loud and violent and aggressive uh, or mm -hmm. with mothers that are the same way. 
Yeah. And so what will happen is that later on in life, you will lack boundaries. You'll be soft. You won't be assertive. You mm -hmm. know, people in your career will probably walk all over you. You'll get into relationships with women oftentimes that have a lot of anger, right? You won't know how to deal with it. You'll be shutting down quite a bit. Yep. And so what have you done with your anger? You've put it into the shadow. You've actually tried to, to, to discard it in some way. And so the gold is being able to reconnect with that part of you, with that anger that you've tried to avoid and assimilating it into your personality, allowing yourself to stand up to your wife or your girlfriend and say like, Hey, listen, like that's enough, you know, or don't speak to me like that. Or, you know, I'm not, I don't want to tolerate this type of conflict in our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, being able to let that anger have a seat in a healthy way in yep. your life. And there's a tremendous amount of gold in that, in the sense that you start to um, become more assertive, more well-rounded, and people can feel that, right? Because mm -hmm. there's nothing more dangerous than a man who's disconnected from his anger. You know, yeah. they, in my opinion, I, th I think that that's men who, you know, men who pretend like they don't have any hints of anger within them or violence within them, I think are very mm -hmm. dangerous men often. Yeah, because they don't know how to control it when it comes up. And yeah, because they, because they're completely unaware of it, right? And they often can't see it popping up in their passive aggressiveness, or, yeah. you know, they're shutting down and not willing to engage in any kind of conversation, you know, with the people that are, that are maybe provoking them or, or trampling on them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I've been working on is understanding that anger in myself, you know, um, that's one of the most recent things that I've been working on quite a bit is, is recognizing that and learning how to use it as a tool. Uh, and I've seen a couple of different people in the, the men's workspace therapy space on, uh, on line lately talking about anger and using it as a tool and using it to recognize when you're unsafe and when boundaries have been crossed and things of that sort. Um, and the, those discussions have made, a I've really brought a lot more awareness to that and like, okay, well, maybe it doesn't feel like anger. Maybe it feels like hurt, but it's showing up as anger. And, you know, how can I, how can I use it um, to, to benefit the situation? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, just on that note, and then we can move forward, like anger, yeah. anger is a sign that either a boundary is being crossed or that we are crossing a boundary. Mm -hmm. You know, that something that, our partner has said something that has hurt us or embarrassed us or disrespected us, that something has transpired that we are, we're becoming defensive about. So anger is useful, right? Reactivity is a little different, right? When we become reactive and we're trying to defend ourselves and we're trying to prove our point and, mm -hmm. you know, we're attacking their person, that reactivity, like that's the shadow, you know, again, yeah. that's the shadow coming up. But right. our anger of like, you know, I, I really don't like the way that you just said that to me, or, you know, I really like that feels disrespectful. That type of stuff is, is reinforcing a boundary and boundaries teach other people how to treat us, Yeah, you know? And so we don't want to be too rigid in the sense that, you know, we become, uh, overbearing and we don't mm -hmm. allow other people to be human. It's either we also, nothing. 
yeah, we also don't want to be a, a freaking wet noodle and never stand up for ourselves, right? So, and that's not to shame anybody. It's just simply to like, you know, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. So I, mm. I, I'm, this is from self-experience. <laughs> nice, yeah. And that's that's one thing I, I love is that, you know, I do notice that you talk from that ex that personal experience a lot, you know, um, and, or it seems like you do anyway. And so it's, it's much more relatable. Into the Dark Blue has partnered with our favorite CBD shop, Alamo Botanicals, to give you guys easy access to your favorite CBD products. My personal favorite is the water-soluble CBD that you can drop in your water in the morning and head out the door. It'll help you with your focus and anxiety throughout the day and simply just help you get your job done a little bit easier. I also really enjoy the Moringa Skin Food. Uh, it's great to uh, get rid of some of those blemishes and uh, red spots on the skin and just really give you a nice, healthy, glow. So head over to alamobotanicals.com, save yourself 10% with promo code DARKBLUE, all caps DARKBLUE. A portion of that also goes to help us with our mission to create men's groups all around the country at independent breweries. So help us make that happen and help yourself be a little healthier as well. Head over to alamobotanicals.com. I was going to ask, have you ever, so one of my most favorite, like recent reads over the last couple of years is uh, the Shambhala. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of the Shambhala, the sacred path of the warrior. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a great, great look into understanding basic good uh, that, you know, the, there's everything, everything is inherently in its natural state good. Uh, and that it's basically, so you're trying to have create build and, and maintain perspective of the rising sun and seeing everything from that like compassionate side of understanding, okay, well, what is, where is this coming from? So if this is so hurtful language or whatever defense, whatever, it's like, where is it coming from? And the first thing it talks about is recognizing that basic good within yourself. So you can then recognize that basic good outside of you. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think that's very good in theory, mm -hmm. unless you're a man who is riddled with shame and guilt and, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and self-criticism and self-judgment and self-loathing. Right. You know? And it, like, yeah, I mean, I think after you've done a little bit of work, then you can probably get into that place. But, you know, I've worked with enough men to know that it like, uh, they I can I can hear like my 25 year old self being like, yeah, but like the bad in me definitely outweighs the good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. And like, so yeah, I, I love that. And I just also want to recognize because I think what it's really talking about is, you know, the masculine core mm -hmm. of us is just the eternal present, right? It's the eternal yep. now. And it's the it's the constant of existence, and that the feminine is the ever changing of existence, right? Mm -hmm. the, the feminine is the the expression of the ever changing now, and the masculine is the expression of the ever present now, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think to put that maybe a little less esoteric is like we as men have a responsibility to uh, to be present in the moment, right? To mm -hmm. regulate, to ground. Like one of the things that I've said 
to a lot of my clients in working with couples or working with men is like, your job is to outregulate your partner. It's to outground your partner. It's to yeah. be more stable than your partner. Your job is to outground and outregulate your kids, your coworkers, your mm -hmm. friends. Like, make it your mission and start to see how your life changes. Not suppression, not emotionally disconnecting, not numbing out, not stuffing down, yep. but true internal, mental, emotional, physical regulation. Mm. And when you can begin okay. to do that, your relationships and your world will start to shift because it's very hard for people to stay dysregulated around somebody who's regulated. Mm. And I don't know if it'd be helpful for me to explain that term, but <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it could be helpful for a lot of, a lot of people listening. So if you feel free. <laughs> yeah. So, so the simplest way of, of defining regulation is like a uh, space of homeostasis that your your normal state right that when you're regulated you're out of your sympathetic nervous system so you're not sympathetic nervous system dominant meaning that you're not stressed out that your your mind your body your nervous system the neurochemicals being released in your body are not in the sympathetic dominant state are not in the stress state mm. right because when you're stressed you're releasing cortisol and adrenaline your breath rate per minute is elevated, your heart rate per minute is elevated. And along with that comes a very busy mind. So that's a dysregulated state. And unfortunately, in our modern culture, the majority of men, but the majority of people, we're, we're talking about men, the majority of men are just in a constant dysregulated state, because they are constantly stressed, mm. they're constantly running with a certain level of anxiety, and fear and anxiousness and anger and frustration and overwhelm, right? Their systems are constantly overtaxed. Yeah. But when you're regulated, you are calm. Your breath rate has moved into a more normalized state. So what does that mean? It means that you're taking less breaths per minute. Mm. Yep. It means that you're not laboring to breathe. It means that your heart rate has gone down, right? And when your heart rate goes down, your nervous system responds to that and your body starts to calm down. And so you actually feel more rooted and grounded into the present moment, into the earth, into your ability to handle tough situations, right? Yeah. Your, your kid, I mean, I have a two-year-old, right? So like your kid, <laughs> what happened to me this morning is like, my kid was like throwing blueberries at the fucking wall. And I was like, <laughs> you know, like, was like, this is a brand new house, dude. Like you are screwing up my walls. <laughs> Why are you <laughs> making this decision right now? <laughs> right. But yeah. being able to ground in that moment is the ability to just breathe and feel and move some of my consciousness away from the storm of my thoughts. Yeah, like, why the hell is he doing this and, da, 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 and move deeper into my body and connect to the like, it's okay. Like, this isn't actually a problem. Yeah. And <laughs> when I can be to do that, I can bring that regulation into every situation. So regulation is just your ability to maintain presence and consciousness. Mm -hmm. under any circumstance right and mm -hmm. how that looks is in your mind in your breathing in your heart rates and in your in your nervous system there's some very clear indicators of it yeah that's awesome 
Uh, can you share real quick a few uh, tools people can use to start to do that more effectively? Yeah, so I think the first thing I'll say is like, I wrote this book to be tactical. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I've seen in the therapeutic industry is that the therapeutic industry approaches men's work and working with men in a very feminized and female way. Mm. Um, and so a lot of the content that's out there talking to men about therapeutic modalities is very much about how do you feel and mm. just getting you to feel loved and safe and understood, which is a very feminine orientation right. versus moving you towards a sense of competence and purpose and mission mm -hmm. and tactical action that you can take so that you know that there's progress happening. And so I wrote the book with a lot of work in is sort of involved in it, right? So that yep. you can go through, answer questions, you know, do exercises. Um, but yes. one of the simplest, one of the simplest ways to do it is, so if you just inhale through your nose for a count of four, Pause for a count of one, and then exhale out the mouth like you're blowing through a straw. And let that be for about a count of seven. Pause, and then inhale again through the nose. And if so, if you just repeat that cycle in through the nose for a count of four, exhale out the mouth through like pierced lips through a straw for a count of seven, what you're going to do within two to three minutes, you don't have to do this for very long, but we're going to do is you're naturally going to slow down your, your breath per minute, which is naturally going to slow down your heart rate per minute. Mm. And by doing that, you're sending a signal to your brain to calm down the nervous system. And so within two or three minutes, you will what's called down regulate your nervous system and move into a more relaxed, calm state. Yeah. Right. Because yes. when your heart rate's elevated, you're in a stressed out state. Mm. Right. If you're if you're sitting in a work meeting and your heart rate's at like 80, <laughs> you're probably a little stressed out. Right. If you're yeah. having a conversation with your wife and your your heart rate's at like 90, you're in a stressed <laughs> out state. Right. Yeah. But if you're sitting there and your heart rate's at like 55 or 60, you know, you're probably good. And yeah. so we can use the breath because the breath is the dial between the sympathetic nervous system, which is the gas pedal, right? Go, 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 stress, cortisol, adrenaline, and the parasympathetic, which is the brake pedal, which is the rest, digest, calm, relaxed. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a very simple tool that you can use to tip the scales more in that parasympathetic dominant state. And the reason why this is so important, I'm just going to put this out there, is yes. that in order for men to get aroused, they need to be in a parasympathetic dominant state, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for us as men to get an erection and to stay hard and to not climax too quickly, we have to be more relaxed than stressed. Mm -hmm. And so a yeah. lot of complication happens for us when we're overly excited, overly stressed out, you know, worried about how the interaction is going to go. Because yes. that moves the dial into this more stressed out state where you're breathing faster, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're elevating your breath rate. Your heart rate is much faster. And yep. then because of that, your, your mind thinks that you're in fight, flight, or freeze mode. And so it moves blood away from where you want it, right? Yep. And sends yep. it to your core. Yep. And so what you want to start to do is start to use these breath practices where you can start to slow down and, and calm and relax if that's something that you, you that you struggle with. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, I don't know if you've ever experienced where it's like in, in the middle of things, you can notice a shift. Maybe they start worrying, your partner starts worrying about something and and the moment kind of changes. And it, it's like even sensing that switch can change that pretty quickly, mm -hmm. at least for me, um, where it's like all of a sudden all of the sexual stuff just shuts down. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Are you okay? <laughs> you know, um, because yeah. it completely, yeah, it, it, it's pretty amazing how quickly that can, that can shift without even realizing it if you're not aware of it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a, a big part of our work, especially in intimacy is to be present to our own breath, our own body, right? What's happening within us. Cause what most of us men do is we're very externally focused. Mm. Right. And so we miss out on like what's happening inside of me right now. And that <laughs> yeah. can, that can lead to a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, stress. Uh, the other thing is, is that when we start to tune in to what we're experiencing internally, we just get stuck with our thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Is this going to go? Okay. Right. So we start to self-reference and that self-referencing is a boner killer, right? Because you're like, <laughs> am I going to last long enough? Am I going to be hard enough? Is she going to enjoy this? Da, 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 and we start the to go. The insecurities like, are just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the insecurities just ripping through. You know, we're trying to go through the playbook of like, do I use this move first or that? Rather than moving our consciousness down into our body, <clears> using our breath to feel in the moment of like, what do I desire right now? What do I want? You mm -hmm. know, and tuning into our partner's body and their energy of what are they experiencing? So yeah. yeah, the breath, the breath is one of the, one of the best tools to do, to, to regulate. Nice. That's, that's great. I think one of the, one of the things that I don't know, I, I, I feel like probably a lot of men struggle with, but I struggle with is in that, that moment, right. When it switches, when a conversation switches from like, like conversation to conflict really, you know, quickly. And it's like recognizing that feeling come up. And that's what I struggle with. I think the most is uh, when it when it happens, and you can't recognize the switch because it happens very quickly, right? Totally. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, this is just one of those things where we have to, we as men have to work to have more body awareness, mm. right? Of like what is happening outside of my thoughts and my mind. Because uh, so many men are feel trapped in their life because they're just trapped in their thoughts. They're, they're not actually experiencing their wife or their girlfriend. They're not experiencing the conflict. And mm -hmm. so they're completely disconnected to, oh, I just felt a rush of anger. Like, yeah. oh, interesting. You know, or, oh, I just felt some embarrassment pop up. Or, mm -hmm. oh, I feel defensiveness rising in my body. It's more this like, okay, she said this. Now what do I say? Mm -hmm. we have to we have to work to bring some of our awareness and our consciousness more and more and more in any moment down yeah. into our body of like what am i actually it's what i call the dfe the direct felt experience right what is your direct felt experience not what are your thoughts about what's happening what are what? you experiencing about what's happening <laughs>
kind of like a self self growth power couple. Uh, it's pretty cool. And I know she also just released a book recently. And uh, you're both doing a lot of work and helping people to to do to do this work. Uh, mm -hmm. So I uh, was wondering if you would be willing to share some of your greatest strengths and weaknesses as a couple and how you um, work with those together. Yeah, I think one of our strengths now is that we're very proficient at moving through conflict in a way where resolution and repair happens. Mm. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I write about in the book is like, find a woman that you can do conflict with. Because there's, you know, you're going to be spending a lot of time with that person. And there's nothing more frustrating <laughs> than picking a partner that you don't respect in mm. in the moments of conflict or that you don't trust or mm. that you don't want to deal with and so what i usually tell men is like find women that you're okay with going through conflict with because that's going to be a very important part of how you have a functional relationship and and honestly the couples that we've worked with because we've done a lot of work with couples and like we have a workshop coming up in june and and that kind of yeah. stuff that we we do virtually and in person the couples that have successful relationships when conflict happens they are able to move through it within like 24 to 36 hours oh, wow. 48 at max right and so there's like this flow of like okay something came up we're going to talk about it we're going to sort through it if we can't then we're going to pause and then we're going to return to it and we're going to find some resolution where we both understand one another yeah we're going to move through that conflict and so i think one of the things that we do really well now when we you know when we first got together it was a little bit more you know, there was like the honeymoon phase and then, and then it was rocky for a little bit because we had different conflict styles. Okay. You know, she's like the New Jersey, you know, conflict uh, oriented <laughs> woman, right? Her, yeah. her, her, I joke around that in her family, conflict is like the sixth love language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I heard you talking uh, about in that live uh, yesterday too. That was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're like, they're just yeah. all okay with like going at each other and you know, I grew up in an environment where conflict was either something that you avoided or it was violent. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, but we've, Dark I contrast. think that's, yeah, big, big contrast. Uh, so I think, I think that's one piece as we go through conflict really well. I think two, we have a really deep respect for one another, um, really deep respect for one another. And I think that that is absolutely paramount. You know, if you're a man that's wanting to get into a relationship long-term with a woman and you're wanting to you know, engage the idea of getting married and stuff like that. My, my belief is that you need to have a deep respect for that person and vice versa. Mm, um, yeah. So I think that's one of our strengths. We have a really big respect for each other. Um, I think the other strength is that we, like we, we have worked very hard to support one another and we do so in a really wonderful way yeah. where our relationship is a a place for for love and playfulness and mm. fun and exploration but it's also one of our core pillars of our marriage and of our relationship is expansion mm. that we're both dedicated to knowing that part of our part of the reason for our, our marriage is for us each individually to expand and for yeah. us as a couple to expand. So, yeah. And then I think on the, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, I mean, I think the main thing that we're always battling is we're both a little a type and okay. so left to our own devices. We'll just 
you know, build, create, do like go constantly, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and live very sort of busy lives, which is, can be very exciting. For sure. Um, but I've also, you know, I also just like doing nothing sometimes. And yeah. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I've really taken the lead on like, okay, I'm going to be responsible for the slowing down of our marriage and our relationship and when our family is going to go do nothing and when we're just going to go camp for a weekend and when we're going to go on vacation and and those types of things to make sure that we're just we have time to ground down to settle down yeah for sure do you guys have do you, do you find that you guys have as more type a do you have more conflicting like desires for how things should be that ever come to like head to head at all you know i think we're not type a in the sense that like i'm much more like relaxed about how things look around the house as an example i know that like a lot of sort of type a people can be very specific about how things are <laughs> in the spaces and how things need to be done and yeah that's not like for me when i say that i mean i'm more like high functioning of gotcha. i want to build i want to create i want to do oh, i want things go. to be yeah. exceptional you know, I want to, I want to experience life and do some cool shit. And, yes. you know, so that if I died tomorrow, like, you know, I, I know that I'm exiting this world having lived fully and pushed my edge. You didn't die um, watching reruns of the OC on Netflix. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what the OC is, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think, so I think like we don't, you know, I, there's this ongoing joke that, like when my wife and I got together, I didn't rinse the forks and the knives, like the utensils before I put them in the dishwasher. And she would just like freak out about that. Uh, and so it, like, it would cause conflict. Cause I'm like, no, like that's the dishwasher's job. Like the dishwasher, it's, it's literally a machine created to wash the fucking dishes. Like, why would I wash the utensils before I put them in the dishwasher? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, you got to rinse them. Otherwise it doesn't work. And so, you know, I think those, those things, sometimes they pop up, they're real in relationships, but, um, you know, I think the, the other thing is, I think one of the things that really keeps us together is I have this saying that appreciation is the currency of intimacy. Mm. And it's just this notion that if you want intimacy to be alive mm -hmm. in your marriage, if you want to uh, really like fertilize and create fertile ground for intimacy, whether that's emotionally or psychologically, spiritually, sexually to, to blossom, mm -hmm. that appreciation is the currency for that. And so I think one of the things that, that we also do well, but we've also had to work at is really appreciating one another and what we're doing and what we bring to the table and acknowledging one another for, you know, small things and big things and everything in between. Yeah. And I think that if, if men took anything from this, you know, conversation about relationships, what I would really hope that they take is that you create a culture of appreciation in your home because it will change the dynamic with you and your kids, it'll change mm. the dynamic with you and your wife and your partner, your girlfriend. Um, and even within your work environment, it will, it will change mm. that culture. Yep. Yeah. That's amazing. And, you know, like you said in the beginning, you know, building that appreciation for yourself is probably the best place to start to be able to appreciate. <laughs> yes. <it. laughs> yeah. 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 You got to have a framework of, of self-recognition right you know otherwise i mean when we as men don't have an internal framework of self-recognition 
we just need it. We try and get it from women, you know, mm. and we become the nice guy, the needy guy, the insecure guy, the like, I don't give a fuck guy. And, <laughs> yes. and it creates all kinds of problems. And so we have to be able to create this internal framework of self-recognition of being able to acknowledge ourselves when, when we're doing things well. And that's yeah. incredibly important. And guess what? It's attractive to women, Yeah. right? Women, Absolutely. women love men who are able to you know, recognize and celebrate themselves Their own uh, without becoming, you know, arrogant, <laughs> yeah. without becoming There's too arrogant. <laughs> so find, find balance in that one. For sure. Yeah. I actually just, uh, so I, you know, I picked up, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to read through, I'm going to read this book before Connor and I have our conversation. And I was like, I want to get through it. And then I started reading it and I was just like, fuck, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I, you know, I have a tendency to prefer to digest things as I read them. Um, I don't like to just burn through something and not walk away with it with as much, um, as much as I could take from it. And as I started reading this and how deep it gets, um, you know, I found myself really marinating on the things that are talked about. I have been taking more time to work through it because I, I, you have all these great activities in here that really help to dig deeper and really understand like what's actually going on with these concepts. Um, so I just got to the section on self self talk, um, you know, and how we treat ourselves and it, the, the comment in there about when you did the workshop and you did the, the, um, activity where you told guys to tell talk to other guys the way they talk to themselves when something goes wrong I was just mm -hmm. like shit <laughs> like I would never talk to somebody the way that I talk to myself sometimes over stupid things you That's know it. like I drop something and I'm like oh you fucking idiot or whatever you know and it's like why why do I talk to myself that way and yeah. so you know and I don't believe that I don't believe I'm an idiot but like I still say those things under my breath or in my head you know when I do something uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's a really cool concept. Uh, just learning how to change that self-talk and yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a big one, you know, after I've been working with men for a decade now from all over the world. And I think one of the things that I've taken away from, from that, one of the things that I've really learned is like, we majority of men are beating the shit out of themselves internally mm -hmm. on a daily basis, you know, and mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that can't that can't not have a damaging effect on how you relate and interact to other people you know how you interact with other people is often an extension of how you, extension of how you treat yourself and so if you're wanting a better relationship with your wife or your girlfriend or your kids your colleagues or your friends like you you do have to start by building a, a more robust relationship with yourself because that's who they're interacting with right and if and if if you're somebody who's just constantly you know beating themselves up every day and talking down to yourself um it's going to be hard for you to really take in the compliments that other people give you mm. it's going to be hard for you to really receive the love that you want from your partner you know or from your kids and yeah. so we i think we have we have to work diligently to do that. And, and I think one of the, you know, one of the parts of the book that guys have been getting a lot out of is that reframing and the sort of tactical approach of how to deal with that inner self-talk mm. and to frame that in a different way. And I mean, that, that changed my life, honestly, like, no, it's yeah. not, a, it's not an exaggeration. Like when I shifted the way that I talked to myself 
it changed my life because I used to berate myself. Mm. You know, I was my, you know, I was abusive towards myself. The way that I talked to myself was brutal, man. It was yeah. brutal. Mm. And, you know, I think it, it really breaks my heart that I, you know, I interact with so many men who are talking to themselves that way. And if, if, if I do nothing, you know, in my life, but, but change the way that thousands or tens of thousands of men speak to themselves, I, I feel like I will have done something meaningful with my life. Absolutely. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. And I usually, usually wrap up with uh, asking what's, what's one thing that you would, one piece of life advice that you would give everybody listening. Um, so, and I, I know you already, you already mentioned building a framework or building a foundation of appreciation. Um, but do you have kind of a, a, a general theme for yourself, like a main thing that you like to tell yourself that you would, you would give as one piece of life advice? Well, I think there's, you know, I think I've learned a lot over the, over the years and I'm not really too sure if there's one piece of, of life advice and I'm, you know, I'm kind of stalling to, to come yeah, up with yep. something, it's a hard but, one. You, but you know, I, I think, I think the the best advice that I, that I could give is, you know, pursue, pursue sitting around men who you aspire to be mm. and really take that seriously because, you know, our culture is bereft and sort of void of healthy masculine energy and it needs mm -hmm. it desperately. And so, and I think that we as men want it and we're craving it and we're desiring it. And so, you know, I would say do everything in your power to spend more time with men that you aspire to be and men that inspire you mm -hmm. and you know, see them and, and, and model it and learn from them and ask them questions. Uh, your life just will always be better because of that. It, it, at least that's been my lesson. The more that I've sat with men that I aspire to be when I'm 70, yep. when I'm 80, it's like, the more I, the more I feel grounded in, in appreciating who I am as a father and as a husband and as a business leader and business owner. So yeah, there we go. Found it. We found it. <laughs> yes. Pay close attention to the company you keep for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a really yeah great thing to leave it with, man. And with that, it's last call. So uh, last call is your opportunity to tell everybody uh, where they can find you, what you've got going on, like your workshops that you've got coming up. Um, so yeah, tell them how they can get involved and all that. Yeah, I mean, I, you could just go to mantalks.com. Uh, the book is there. The men's weekends that I host in person are there. The online groups that I run, uh, I run something called the Men's Self-Leadership Program. That's there. And the Alliance is there. Um, and then it's just at Mantalks on all the social media channels. I got a good YouTube channel. I'm starting to put out all my podcasts and conversations and content there. Uh, and I'm also very, very active on Instagram. So you can just go on IG uh, at Mantalks. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. Love that, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a really great conversation. I appreciate you. Likewise, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah.